Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, Episode 36. Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. Well, that has certainly been one crazy week that I just lived. Um, this past Tuesday, I headed out on a U.S. Airways flight to Chicago uh, for the American Institute of Architects National Convention. I love Chicago. I've been there a couple times in the last few years, and uh, I am just awed by the architecture, filled with amazing architecture, both historic buildings as well as brand new buildings. You know, Chicago is the birthplace of the skyscraper, and with new structures like Aqua, uh, Chicago is most certainly still leading the way in that arena, in my opinion. Um, I was invited by my friend Matt Ostinick. He's the president of the uh, Charette Venture Group and the founder of the Architecture Business Plan Competition. He invited me to Chicago to serve as a jurist for the, uh, the business plan competition, which was held on Wednesday and Thursday. Well, it was held this past year, but the actual presentations by the finalists, as well as the announcement of who the winner was at a reception, um, that was on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. And so um, I got a chance to stay at the Hotel Burnham, which is where the finalists uh, from the competition presented their final plans as, as well as where the, the winners were announced. The Hotel Burnham is located in the former Reliance Building. It's a structure which every architect reads about in our uh, history book. So um, when you get to see it, you sort of remember that building and say, oh, that, that looks familiar. And then uh, you walk in and you, you realize what it was and where it was. It was designed by Daniel Burnham of Burnham and Root. Remember that name, guys? Uh, and Charles B. Atwood, two uh, superstars of the turn of the century um, who uh, designed skyscrapers. And the, Re the Reliance Building was one of the early skyscrapers and was the first building of that height to have large plate glass windows, which sort of foreshadowed the glass skins of many of our skyscrapers today. Uh, it was fascinating to see how the building was restored, which, and it was essentially uh, rescued from demo, demolition and adaptively, uh, adaptively reused as the luxury hotel that it is today, and it, and it was done uh, beautifully, I think. As an architect, it was fun to kind of 
snoop around and look at all the original details that still remain, uh, the, the iron work and the, um, the terrazzo floors and the uh, mosaic tiles are all still there and restored uh, to new condition. It's really, really exciting to, to, to take a look at it. You can see photos of the building at the hotel's website, burnhamhotel.com. Um, I returned home on Saturday evening, as I promised my family I would, to attend the, uh, the wooden boat show in Mystic Seaport um, with my wife and my kids. My middle, my middle one, Henry, is fascinated by boats. He built his own wooden boat, a, a, an 11-foot-6 poor boy skiff, which he's very quick to tell you, 11-foot-6 inches. Uh, he was seven years old when he built that boat, and, uh, and it was published in Wooden Boat Magazine. So we're, uh, we're lucky enough to be invited every year to, uh, to attend the show, and one of the magazine editors uh, take some time out to spend spend the day with us. She's fantastic. Um, her name is Robin Jettinghoff, and uh, and we've become friends. So every year we head up to Mystic Seaport and spend the day with Robin. Um, so that was really exciting. So I came home sort of a day early. Uh, this, the convention ended on Saturday, but it uh, many things continued on to Sunday. Um, but I came home and uh, and had a great time on Sunday. With my family. So today on the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, I'm going to talk about my week and share my insights on the business plan competition as well as the AIA National Convention. And so it was a fantastic week. So stick with me and I'm going to tell you all about it from my point of view. Okay, so I'm going to do this in chronological order. I'm going to sort of tell you what I'm going to, I did on Wednesday and I'll work my way all the way through the week and, and tell you what I did and what I thought of, of the things they did. It was a great week. Um, I started out on Wednesday at the uh, Hotel Burnham with the business plan competition. Um, the competition had over 130 entries, which blew away our expectations. Matt expected, you know, maybe 20 or 30 uh, entries, and, and, uh, and we received, um, well, actually 130 registered uh, entries. We actually got over 50 submissions, so 130 people registered um, for the competition, and then 50 actually uh, put together the requirements of a uh, an executive summary and submitted that. And those 50 plus um, submissions were what we, as the jurists, reviewed, uh, you know, a few months ago, and uh, and we scored them with a scoring system that we've developed, where Matt developed. And then we had a, uh, a, a um, I think it was a Google Hangout. It was a, a video conference. And we discussed our findings. We went through each submission. And we picked, a, we t- we picked six finalists for, um, and invited those six finalists to prepare full, fully developed business plans and present them at, uh, in Chicago uh, at it, at the time of the convention, so it was all coordinated to be at the same time as the convention, uh, the day before, and uh, six finalists did come um, to present their um, their business plans. All six were were awesome, uh, really really good plans, great ideas, very innovative. Um, I was ex- very as an entrepreneur architect, I was really excited. Uh, to see that of, of even the 50 submissions, how many were really creative, innovative ideas that were thinking outside the box of a traditional architecture firm. Those kind of things get me so pumped up. I love it. Uh, I loved being a part of this because I got to see all those those ideas. Um, it's one of my passions are, you know, these creative ideas of thinking outside the box and create new ways to do uh, to do architecture as a business. And the six finalists were were just that. Um, Thursday evening was the reception and the actual, the awards presentation, which was Thursday was also the first day of the actual AIA convention. Um, so I spent my Thursday, uh, mostly, um, dedicated to the business plan competition, both Wednesday and Thursday. And, uh, and so the, the winner of the competition after much, much, uh, difficulty with the jurist, we spent, um, couple hours going through the the um 
the final six presentations after they were presented on uh, Thursday or Wednesday, Wednesday, on Wednesday morning. And uh, the winner was Scott Larrick of 1159 Studio, located in Austin, Texas. He was the winner of $10,000, which was the grand prize of this competition, uh, $10,000 cash. And um, Scott's mission with 1159 is to meet Austin's skyrocketing demand for affordable housing by specializing in the, in the design and construction of prefabricated sustainable homes, small ones, between 500 and 850 square feet, which I loved. I loved that these were tiny little buildings that um, were really easy to build and could be placed, you know, very simply. Uh, and the idea was to sort of develop, you know, through uh, 1159 to develop these affordable housing units internally. So they would design them, they would develop them, they would construct them, deliver them, and install them, uh, you know, essentially all for one price. So you can, you know, buy this package and they would deliver a uh, 500 to 800 square feet pre-designed, prefabricated building to your site. Um, the plan was also to apply to be named a certified B Corporation, which is uh, has rigorous standards for social and environmental standards, um, and uh, and it was you know the plan is to address the affordable housing problem in Austin, which has massive popula- population growth right now, and um, home values are skyrocketing to the point where people who aren't making a lot of money. Uh, are sort of being moved out of their neighborhoods because they can't afford to live there anymore. And, uh, and so Scott's idea was to develop these, uh, there's a part of the code of the Austin building code that defines an accessory dwelling unit. And it's, it's a building that's between five and 800 square feet or five or whatever, whatever it is, but it's like under a thousand square feet. So they're small and they have very specific, uh, rules and regulations. And his intent is to um, s- build these prefabricated uh, s- sustainably, and they would be designed to meet the requirements of living building challenge as well as net zero energy building certification. So they'd be uh, sustainable prefabricated little houses. And they would have two models, a 500 square foot model, which would be a one bedroom, one bathroom, and that would cost $75,000 delivered and another one that was prefabricated, pre-designed, uh, 800 square feet, two bedrooms, one bath, costing just over $100,000. And so, uh, you know, the, the idea is that there's thousands of these properties that are eligible uh, to install accessory dwelling units, and um, Scott's idea is to serve that market and serve the, uh, the affordable housing uh, problem at the same time, uh, potentially make a lot of money doing it and making Austin a better place. And so I, I, his plan was beautifully prepared. The, the actual plan was, was beautiful to look at. Um, the, the idea, I love the idea. I love the simplicity of the idea. I loved the way that uh, because it was so simple, it could be replicated very easily. Systems could be built around creating these units and once he uh, sort of uh, was successful in Austin, it would be so easy to take this this plan and the systems developed around this plan and drop it in, in any other city uh, throughout the entire world that has similar um, a, uh, accessory dwelling unit codes in their building codes. Um, so I love that. And so, so it was really exciting. Um, second place and first and second place you know, I could tell you through the uh, deliberation with the jury, uh, first, second, and third place kept bouncing back and forth. We went through it over and over and over again. And every time we talked about it, it was a different top top prize. Um, so it was not easy to pick a winner. Uh, what we really wanted to do was pick three winners. But obviously you can't do that. Somebody's got to win the big prize. Uh, I don't think anybody would be happy if we took the $10,000 and split it up. 
Uh, so we didn't do that. Um, the second place was awarded to uh, Catherine Darnstadt of Leighton Design. Uh, Catherine, I knew previously, she spoke at the AIAS forum, which I spoke at, at um, in December, also in Chicago. I was sort of her opening act. She was the keynote speaker, and I was invited to speak on the same night. And I, uh, I gave a little presentation about Entrepreneur Architect and my ideas on Entrepreneur Architism. Is that a word? I just created Architism. Um, so Catherine was the keynote, and she did a great job. She's a fantastic speaker, presents very, very well. She walks into a room, and the charisma is just beaming from her. She is, she's going to be massively successful. Um, if you don't know who Catherine Darnstadt is yet, you will. Um, Late Design is a progressive architecture firm and strategic design consultancy based in Chicago. And their their plan is they're working at the intersection of design and community development. And they use design as a tool um, and they're committed to creating social and economic and environmental change, uh, having an impact beyond the building. So she, she's taking architecture as sort of the the lead for what she's doing, but she's developing this this business, this, I don't even know if you can call it a business. It, it certainly is a business, but it's so much more than that. Um, to have, to make social change, to, to go into certain areas of cities and, and use design as a tool to fix those cities from the inside out. Um, she uses a strategy called, called define, design, deploy. Uh, and that allows them to sort of function as a fully integrated design build firm where she can go in she can uh, identify problems. She can define the problem, she and her firm, um, then design solutions to those problems. And then as a design build firm, which is what part of her plan was about, was to, to evolve into that next step. Right now she's a design architecture firm. They want to take it to the next step and become a construction, uh, have a construction-based element to her, uh, to her services, and they could do the entire thing. Uh, and do it their way and the way they want to do it. Um, she's already completed work for small urban installations all the way to new construction community, you know, community buildings, all the way through neighborhood redevelopment. She's done done all of that in in about four years. Um, she's a, she's skyrocketing right now, and uh, and I, I truly believe that that um, Catherine and Leighton Design they're going to be the firm that the world looks to as a model for this type of firm, firms that are using design for social change. Uh, latent design is going to be, if they're not already the leader uh, that the world looks to, to, to do what she's doing. Um, Catherine is a tremendous leader. She's a tremendous presenter uh, and she's going to be tremendously successful. She was awarded the second place and was awarded $2,500 for, uh, for that position. And like I said, it was really difficult to pick the top winner between Catherine and Scott. Um, the official business plan competition uh, recommended, or not recommended, the the um, uh, the original idea was to have just two uh, winners: a first place winner and a second place winner. And through um, the 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 jury and through reviewing all of the plans, uh, like I said, all six were amazing. But the, we, we actually decided to create a third, an, an honorable mention category, and uh, Matt added an additional $1,000 prize to recognize Seth Anderson uh, for his extremely well-developed uh, business plan uh, for his firm, uh, Ascent Architecture. Um, their firm is focused on uh, the architecture of healthcare, and his plan was a model for what successful business plans look like. Uh, and we wanted to show our appreciation for the work that he did in putting together that plan. Because if you see that plan, if you saw the plan that Seth put together, um, it is, is, like I said, it is a model business plan. It had everything uh, um, presented well, presented very clearly. Uh, all his numbers were there. Uh, it, was, it was a beautifully presented plan. Uh, and so he he won an honorable mention and was was awarded a thousand dollars. 
So that was the 2004 uh, architecture business plan competition. And um, I've already been told that there will be a 2015 business plan competition. And so it, this was very, very successful for not only um, Matt and the competition, but the, the 50 plus submissions, all of them benefited from this. This was all something that uh, even if they were not a finalist, putting together a business plan is something that, that every architect who owns their own business should be doing. And uh, having a, a competition like this, encouraging and in, inspiring architects to think about their businesses as businesses and to create plans around them, this is a service that is, uh, is just wonderful. So um, 2015, it will happen again. I have not been given the details, but I, Matt has asked me to sit on the jury again for 2015, and I've accepted to do that. Uh, I, I look forward to, to being involved in uh, this competition as long as Matt wants me to, because I really am uh, excited about what's happening through this competition. So watch uh, Matt's website. Uh, it's called architectbusinessplancompetition.com. I'm sure eventually details for the 2015 plan will go up. We did some sort of uh, um, uh, post-competition um, conversation and talked about what could be improved by this, what was great about it, and what could be improved. And 2015, the plan will only go to the next level. It's going to be even better. So watch for that. So that was um, Wednesday and Thursday. And so let's talk about Friday. Um, I was scheduled on Friday. You know, so Friday was dedicated. Friday and Saturday for me was dedicated to the convention. Um, I fulfilled my obligations to Matt and the architectural architecture business plan competition on Wednesday and Thursday. And um, Friday and Saturday, my plan was to head over to the convention center and uh, and absorb as much of that excitement as I could. And for Friday, Friday was a crazy busy day for me. Um, I was scheduled to present three presentations in separate areas of the convention, all uh, between 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. or 12 a.m. 12, well, noon, 12 noon, uh, 9 a.m. to 12 noon. And so I needed to be uh, in three different places very quickly uh, one after another. And so Thursday, I actually spent the later day on Thursday mapping out my route and confirming that I could actually travel from one location to the other. And luckily I did that because the elevators and the escalators that I that I mapped out on the convention center map, which I had plans to shoot from one presentation, I went, I was planning to go up those escalator, that escalator up to and it would drop me right where I needed to be on this in the, in the second presentation. And when I went and checked on Thursday, those elevators and escalators were shut down uh, for the convention. They were not part of the, of the area that the convention was was um, uh, was set up for. So luckily, I did that on Thursday and and rerouted where I needed to be, timed it on Thursday, and and had plenty of time to get from one to the other. But if I waited till Friday and ran to those escalator, that escalator and realized that they were shut down and then had to figure out where I needed to go, I'm not quite sure I would have made it to my next presentation. So luckily I did that. So at nine o'clock on Friday, my first, my first uh, presentation, it was sort of, uh, it was for the foresight report. Uh, the foresight report is sort of the, the annual report for AIA National. It sort of discusses what's next and you know what's happening in the profession currently and what's next. shows the trends for the future. Um, and I was interviewed for that report. And my intent when, when I was interviewed for that was to uh, express the concerns and celebrate the small firm architect, sort of be the, the architect's representative. Um, that was my, my intent and, I, and that was my job. So if you read the the... Uh, foresight report, which is available for free for to any AIA member. Um, I'll have a link at the show notes uh, for that. If you wanted to get your copy, you just have to sign in with your AIA membership. Uh, another reason to be an AIA member, um, you get a free copy of the foresight report and everything that has, and it's and it's well worth reading. Um, if you're not an AIA member, 
uh, find an AIA member and uh, get a copy of the Foresight Report because it is well worth reading. Um, and this year, there is a serious intentional focus on small firm architects. They reached out to me um, to, to, to interview me about small firm architects and what should be in the report. And there's a lot in the report about small firm architects. And many small firm architects are mentioned by name specifically. Uh, Matt Ostinick is mentioned for the business plan competition. Bob Borson of Life uh, of an Architect was mentioned. Enix Sears over at Business of Architecture was in it. Uh, Jody Brown of Coffee with an Architect. He writes a great blog. Uh, Rosa Sheng, uh, a friend of mine that I interviewed on the Entrepreneur Architect podcast about the missing 32%. Uh, she was mentioned in the report. Uh, all three guys over at ArcaSpeak podcast, Neil Pan, Evan Troxel, and Cormac Phelan were all mentioned by name, including the podcast. Uh, Jess Stafford of Big Time Small Firm, a good friend of mine. Um, he was mentioned for his work with Big Time Small Firm. Osha Wilson of Boiled Architecture, also interviewed on the uh, podcast. Rena Klein, also uh, interviewed on the podcast. And I was mentioned as well for both my work at Five Cat Studio as a small firm, as well as the work I'm doing here at Entrepreneur Architect. Uh, and there were many, many more references to specific people and, and things that we're doing. Um, small firm architects are leading the way and, uh, and the Foresight Report um, is recognizing that. So my, my morning on Friday started out by participating on the panel discussion about the Foresight Report and, and I represented the small firm architect's point of view on the panel, and it was my mission to spread the word about all great things independent small firm architects are doing to lead the way for change. Um, the panel was recorded in a studio with no audience, so it was just sort of a uh, TV studio. And the videos are planned to be distributed online as AIA con uh, continuing education presentations. And so um, you're going to get learning units for them. Um, and as soon as I receive a link for those, I will share them on my social media and, uh, and maybe if I can remember, I'll put them, uh, a link to them on this episode as well. Um, but, uh, those, uh, I, I'm very proud of the work I did on that panel. I believe that I represented the small firm point of view very well. Um, I take that very seriously and, uh, and I think it did a good job. So. I wanted to thank Bob Fisher, who is the principal of the Greenway Group. He's also a fellow jury member uh, on the um, the Architecture Business Plan Competition. Uh, he's the pr uh, principal of the Greenway Group. Um, he, the Greenway Group is the publisher of Design Intelligence Magazine, um, which also this past week published uh, an article that I wrote called The Independent Architects Are Leading the Way for Change. And uh, I'll put a a link of the, for that also on the on the show notes. Um, the Greenway Group is the publisher of the Foresight Report for AIA, and Bob invited me to participate on this panel, and uh, and was the one who interviewed me for the Foresight Report. So, I uh, I appreciate him for that, and I appreciate him uh, including small firms in the report, and which compared to last year, uh, last year small firms were were barely represented. This year, they're significantly represented. And so uh, I appreciate uh, Bob reaching out to me uh, so that we can make sure that that happened. So that was Friday morning, uh, 9 a.m. Okay, my next presentation was, I had to go from that. That was over at 10.30. And I needed to be on the Architect Live stage at 10.45. And so now you can understand why I was a little nervous when that escalator was shut down. But at 10.45, actually a few minutes early, I arrived at the Architect Live stage and my presentation was called Building a Debt Zero Business. If you're a reader of this, of my blog or a listener to this podcast on a regular basis, uh, my presentation may sound a little bit familiar to you. Uh, it's based both on the blog post and the episode that I published um, about building a debt zero business. And so I presented um, why small firm architects should be building a debt zero business and how uh, Anne-Marie and I uh, built our own debt zero business. I gave um, the step-by-step -step, uh, 
uh, uh, instructions on how we did it. And so um, the actual uh, podcast for building a debt zero business can be found at uh, entrearchitect.com slash episode 36 if you want to um, listen to that episode of the podcast which that presentation was based on. Um, and so that was over around 11 o'clock. So I had a few minutes after that to chat with some of my friends that hung out and watched that. And uh, a few new friends, met a few new friends um, who had some questions. And, um, and so I had that opportunity. And then at 12 noon, I needed to go on the complete opposite end of the expo floor over to the uh, what AIA calls the town hall. It's a place where sort of a gathering place for um, anybody, but I think it's intentionally designed for emerging architects to sort of network. Uh, it's done very well. That started the town hall concept started in Denver last year. It was very, very successful last year, and I believe it was successful again this year. They have a tweet up every year where all the uh, architects on Twitter come together uh, at town hall. Uh, I was not able to attend that because I had a session, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, about uh, So I, I missed that tweet up, unfortunately, because I really enjoyed that last year. I get to meet uh, a lot of people up, you know, face-to-face that I communicate with on Twitter. If you want to uh, chat with me on Twitter, I'm on Twitter most all day, in and out while I'm working. Uh, you can follow me at Entree Architect, and it's well worth your time. Uh, because it's not just me, it's, it's a, a whole bunch of architects all over the country, actually all over the world, who, uh, who have become friends. And we all sort of uh, hang out and talk on Twitter and ask questions and support one another. It's, it's a really great thing. So uh, you small firm architects, get your Twitter app loaded on your iPhones and come join us. Um, so the, the, what I did over at Town Hall as I presented a session on business planning for small firm architects. And I presented, uh, it was called the, the Simple Business Plan for Small Firm Architects. And I presented my uh, original 2006 business plan for my firm, which you may remember I presented in this podcast, episode 24. Uh, I did the same thing. I sort of, um, I didn't present the the business plan word for word like I did in the S, uh, in the S episode. You can actually listen to that episode and I went through my business plan from 2006 word for word and uh, and presented how I did it and why I did it. And so at the session, I sort of highlighted the sections and talked about why each section was important and, and why I put it in and, and talked a little bit about how it evolved into the business plan that I have today. Um, but you know what? I something that I was a little bit disappointed in myself about with the business plan uh, session was that I forgot to ask for questions and answer Q and A at the end. Um, so it, I was a little disappointed that I didn't do that because I would have loved to uh, answer any questions anyone had about the business plan or about anything else that I'm doing an entrepreneur architect. So if anybody who was attending or if you weren't attending and you have a question. Uh, I'd love you to go to this episode's show notes, entrearchitect.com slash episode 36, and leave a comment there and ask me a question, and I'd love to answer it about business planning or anything else um, that you might have questions about. And you could do that on any episode, any blog. I love would love for you to uh, comment and leave me a question um, and, uh, and do that. You can also, if you want to send me a private question, you can also go to the blog and up on the top, there's a, um, a contact button and you can send me an email through the blog. So um, that was Friday. And so Saturday, oh, well, actually, no. Um, so that was Friday. Yes, that was Friday. I have my timeline a little bit mixed up here. Um, so after the um, the the sessions that I did, I took a breather, had some lunch, and then I took uh, two seminars, which were very, very well done. Um, the first one was uh, the definitive guide to hanging out. Uh, no, I'm sorry. 
The Definitive Guide to Hanging Your Shingle Out for Residential Practice. Uh, is very good. Um, I, I like taking seminars like that because I, I you know, I, I present what I know here at Entrepreneur Architect. Um, and uh, I love the business of architecture. And I really like to go to presentations and listen to uh, other architects um, talk about similar things that I talk about so I could understand what, where they're coming from and learn from them so I could take what I learned from them and present it to you. And James Walbridge uh, of Tecton Architecture was the presenter for that. He's a member of the Custom Residential Architects Network, also known as CRAN, and um, he did a great job. I, and I believe that James is the uh, the future chairman of CRAN. I think this coming up year, he's becoming chairman of, of that committee. Um, and so that's going to be excellent. Uh, his presentation was very, very well done. You could download his complete presentation at his website that he developed just for this presentation. It's called hangyourshingleout.com and you can download his whole presentation. It was very well done. Then the next seminar that I went to uh, was uh, Jonathan Siegel's seminar, Architect as Developer. If you don't know who Jonathan Siegel is, you should look him up. He is an architect from San Diego who has uh, built a, a business around uh, um, multi-unit multi housing uh, development. And he designs it and builds it and owns it and keeps it and gets rent from it and is making a lot of money doing it, um, getting being receiving many many awards for the for the the quality and the level of the design of these buildings uh building them himself owning them and collecting rent and uh, and really as a model for what architects who are interested in doing this architects who are interested in developing their own projects and making money doing it uh jonathan is who you should be looking toward um in his seminar, he presented his story, his, his journey to become an architect developer. It was so inspiring, very, very entertaining. Shared lots of strategies and specifics on numbers. Uh, he, gives a, he gives actually a, a, an all-day seminar. Uh, I don't know when it's available. It's been done in the past. I don't know if he has any dates coming up uh, where he goes through step-by-step step how he does what he does. Gets very, very detailed. But even in this presentation, which was an hour long, uh, very, very well done, very specific, um, and had a great Q&A session at the end where people asked him questions and he answered them. Um, you can learn more about uh, Jonathan and Architect as, de as a developer at uh, his website, architectasdeveloper.com. He has an online version of his seminar available as well uh, for purchase where he gives you all of his paperwork, all his... Um, Proformas, everything that it takes to do what he does, he presents in his online seminar. So that was um, excellent, excellent. If you're interested in doing it, and I'm actually going to pursue that as well and look into that because that is something that Anne Marie and I have planned for our future um, as 5Cat develops. So that was Friday. Um, Friday night, I think, may be my favorite time of the entire convention. Friday night, I organized a dinner at Lou Malnati's, which is a restaurant in uh, Chicago that serves deep dish Chicago pizza. It was awesome, awesome pizza. I had a, had a great time there. And I invited uh, a bunch of my friends that if you are online, you may recognize some of these names. Bob Borson was there, Andrew Hawkins, Laura T. Garden, Chris Garrity, Jess Stafford, uh, Jeff Eccles, uh, Marika McKeel, Tyler Baldwin, and Taylor Schaub are two of my friends from AIAS. They live in Chicago. They were the ones that actually picked Lou Malnati's for me. Um, they're good friends of mine. Enix Sears was there. Eric Bobro was there. And Amanda Eden, who's uh, a friend of Bob and is now a friend of all of ours, um, she was there as well. And, uh, and actually, Marika brought a, a friend as well that she met at the, the big AIA party, uh, and she invited him. I don't remember his name, so I saw, I'm very sorry that I don't remember your name. Um, but he was there as well, and we had a great time. Awesome pizza, fantastic conversation. Uh, these are true friends. Um, these are people that I met online, 
through Twitter, through uh, blogging, um, and have become true friends. And, uh, and I appreciate their support. They've supported me with Entrepreneur Architect, all of these people did, which is uh, why I invited them uh, to, to come hang out with us. And um, it was a great night. And also the guys from the ArcaSpeak podcast, uh, we coordinated a call in while we were hanging out eating our deep dish pizza. They called in, recorded a live episode of the uh, ArcaSpeak podcast, uh, which I'll also have a link over at the show notes. It was awesome. That just came out this past Sunday where they interviewed a bunch of us. Uh, we passed the phone around while we were eating our pizza and uh, we had lots of fun. And it was and it was real time feedback from the convention. It was It's definitely worth a listen um, to that uh, ArcaSpeak episode because, you know, not only was it fun that we were sort of all uh, eating dinner and talking and, and, and chatting about architecture and, and, and fun things that friends do. But uh, we were also we also all gave our insight about the convention. And I think it was pretty valuable information that we we talked about. So that was Friday. I ended up Friday was very, very, very late by the time I got home. So Saturday morning, my eight o'clock seminar wasn't going to happen. I slept in and missed my eight o'clock seminar on Saturday. But my mission on Saturday was to support AIA and, and hit the expo, make sure I walked every aisle, and, uh, and I checked out you know, the few vendors who were attending who were offering residential product. They, you know, there's a few there. Um, you know, I'd say if there's anything that AIA needs to focus on in Atlanta and future conventions, it is uh, the expo for residential architects. There's just not enough there to attract uh, residential architects to the expo. And I think that mostly has to do with the fact that many residential architects don't show up. And so we need to show up. Um, if we show up, the, the AIA will recognize that and they will invite more vendors. The vendors will recognize that there's a value for being there for us. And so I think it's important for us to show up and uh, and I believe that the expo will, will start uh, being more residential architect friendly. So that was Saturday and Saturday was basically the, the, the last day of the official uh, convention. And, and I did go to the to the closing keynote. I, I missed all of the other keynotes because of the, the work I was doing elsewhere. Uh, but I really wanted to attend the, the closing event and it was well, well worth it. Um, it started out by presenting the 25 year award to uh, Harry Weiss for the uh, Washington DC Metro. Um, Harry Weiss passed away in 1998 but the Washington DC Metro was awarded the 25 year award and and I believe it was Harry's brother and Harry's son uh, were there to to receive the award which was really really great um, so that was exciting and then um, the the new uh, newly elected uh, executives for the uh, 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 the leadership the executive committee, for the new AIA uh, leadership were presented, including Russell Davidson. Russell Davidson is a friend of mine and a mentor. Uh, he, um, uh, I worked at Russell's firm, Kyra Garman and Davidson in the mid nineties as an intern project manager. And, uh, and, and truthfully, Anne-Marie and I owe much of our professional success, much of the early years of, of five cat studio to Russell, uh, and to uh, Russell's partners at the time, the former partners at KG&D. Um, and so it is, I'm so proud of Russell for working his way up the ranks in AIA and becoming the 2016 president of AIA National. Um, he is going to make a big difference in that organization and I really look forward to be uh, a big supporter of Russell and what he does with AIA National. So he was there on stage um, as the uh, 2015 first vice president and the 2016 president-elect, as well as the other members of the uh, newly elected uh, committee. Then after that was the gold medal. 
and the, and this was really special. The gold medal was awarded to Julia Morgan. Uh, she was the first woman architect to receive that prize. Um, and uh, Julia Morgan has passed away. She was a contemporary of Frank Lloyd Wright. She practiced in the 40s and 50s, and she died in 1957. Um, the, the award was received by Julia Morgan's grandniece, Ellen North, but um, what was really special, and tears literally filled my eyes, when Be Beverly Willis, uh, FAIA, founder of the, the Beverly Willis Architectural Foundation, presented the keynote for that award. And uh, she started her practice the year after um, Julia Morgan died. And she spoke of the trials and the triumph of women in architecture with such emotion and spoke with such honor and respect for the profession. It was so, it was awesome. And I was so glad to be in attendance to witness her words. Um, it really, it, she was obviously emotional. It touched me, and, I'm, and I believe it probably touched everybody in that big in that big room. Uh, it was a really special moment uh, for that award to be awarded to Julia Morgan, and uh, and to hear Beverly Willis uh, present uh, her feelings about the award and about women in architecture. It was really really special. Um, and then following um, the gold medal award was the closing keynote speech by Tony Shea of Zappos. And as a uh, business junkie, um, Tony Shea is one of my business heroes. He's the CEO of Zappos. Uh, and, and Tony Shea presented the work and the inspiration happening at the Zappos company headquarters. So not only did he talk about Zappos and how successful they are as a company and how special they are as sort of uh, focusing on um, the happiness of their customers, but he he spoke about his company headquarters, uh, and where most headquarters are inward facing and security focused, the designs are sort of um, almost like fortresses to keep people out. Zappos has purchased the former Las Vegas City Hall and has redeveloped much of downtown Las Vegas as an incubator incubator and a community development center. Uh, sort of a community development project for the citizens of the city of Las Vegas. Um, they put on special events and festivals and they invest, you know, the like Tony Shea as well as Zappos invest personally in small businesses. They find people who have talents and they, they show them how to put together a business and they invest in them and they create these businesses. Um, he's encouraging spontaneous meetups. He calls them collisions. Uh, reinforcing the fabric of the community and building relationships throughout the neighborhood. You know, I, I love reading about corporate leaders and their stories. And Tony Shea's uh, journey is so inspirational. Uh, Zappos' slogan um, and, and their corporate mission is delivering happiness. And they're not only doing that through their products and exceptional customer service, but through design and architecture and community planning. Um, they're delivering happiness to millions both globally and locally. So I encourage you to check out what Tony Shea is doing uh, in Las Vegas, what, what Zappos is doing with Tony, Tony Shea's leadership, because I'm quite certain that you'll be really inspired uh, to do great things too uh, when you see what they're doing in Las Vegas. It's really, really, really exciting. Um, and so that was my, my week. After that, I uh, got on an airplane and headed home and... Uh, Got home late Saturday night and uh, and did the boat show on Sunday. Um, a couple of other things I wanted to talk about before I wrap this up. Uh, Mahe uh, is a friend of mine. He is the Director of Innovation and Product Development at AIA National. Uh, last year, if you saw my videos that I did for AIA, I, I, I walked around the vendor expo floor and interviewed the vendors. Uh, and, and Mahe was the one who asked me to do that, and I worked with him last year. This year I couldn't do that because of my schedule. I wanted to do it, but I couldn't do it. But Mahe reached out to me, and he wanted me to let you guys know that um, the AIA is offering a special pass to convention attendees. So anybody who's been there and registered for the convention, can um, they have a convention pass plus, 
It's $99. It's an on-demand access to 10 seminars, and it offers up to 12 and a half learning units. So if you are looking for learning units, you can get $99. You can get 12 and a half learning units, and their videos, I believe their videos uh, from the convention. So basically live um, recordings of the seminars that were presented at AI convention. That's available until August 2nd, 2014. And you can purchase a pass for that by emailing uh, conventionlive at AIA.org. So if you're interested in that, conventionlive at AIA.org. And you can learn more about Convention Live at AIA.BOB.TV. AIA.BOB, like Bob, .TV. And um, uh, also he wanted to let me know that the, I believe it was the second day's keynote uh, panel. It was called the Resiliency Panel. Um, it was a very popular panel discussion about architecture and how it can be used to fight climate change and new ways that sustainable buildings are serving their communities. That keynote presentation, which is also offering one learning unit, is available for free at aia.bob.tv. So you can go to aia.bob.tv and you can get a free one learning unit and see that panel discussion, which I missed because I was doing something else. But uh, that was there was buzzing throughout the convention about that uh, that keynote. So I I highly recommend that you check that out. So 2015 AIA convention is in Atlanta. And the dates are a little bit earlier in the spring, May 14th through May 16th. So it, it'll be a little bit cooler uh, than if it was held in in uh, late June uh, in Atlanta. I think May 14th through 16th was a good idea. Uh, so put that on your calendar. Um, it, I'm, some reasons for small firm architects to attend AIA convention in 2015. Um, the tours of architecture and urban development are are exceptional um the tours in and i didn't get a chance to go on the tours uh bob borson was telling me that when he goes to uh conventions his focus is going on tours he doesn't do a lot of sessions he goes on tours and sees the architecture of the city and i think that's such a, a great idea so atlanta will have some great tours um about of of the architecture of atlanta uh, and the urban development happening in, in Atlanta. And then there's also seminars, um, and they're not just specifically for architects, but there there are many seminars that are specifically developed for small firm architects. And every year there's more and more. Um, and so that's a great reason to go to AIA convention in 2015. And the expo, hopefully, if uh, AIA hears me and uh, small firm architects hear me, Hopefully the the expo will be filled with vendors offering products for residential and small small commercial projects. Um, one of my favorite reasons and one of the one of the biggest reasons I go to AI convention is the networking to meet old friends that I've known for years and to meet new friends. Um, and maybe maybe we've been teasing this a little bit on Twitter since we've been home, but maybe we'll take our little meetup. To the next level in Atlanta and do something really big next year, so more people can be involved in that and uh, and uh, and hang out with us because that was a lot of fun and definitely valuable. So valuable. So stay tuned for that information. I'm sure that'll happen later uh, in the year when we get closer to the event. We'll figure out what we're going to do and and how we're going to do it. Um, but another reason to go to convention to actually to go to any of these kind of big events is to get out of the office and experience new things. So when you get out, you 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 sort of it's inspirational and the creative juices start flowing and and you just it just makes you feel good about architecture. So uh, I think that's a good reason to get out and and uh, and go to the convention. And really my biggest reason, here's my biggest reason why you as a small firm architect should attend uh AIA convention in 2015. Because if we don't stand up and take the lead in this profession, we're going to be ignored. We've been ignored for years, and now is the time to stand up and be noticed. You, you need to share your knowledge and your exp expertise. Um, take AIA right now is accepting proposals for educational seminars right now. 
Um, it started July 1st. It ends August 15th. So you got a, a little bit of a month and a half to put together a proposal for an educational seminar. You think you might not be qualified for that, but I think you are. I think you know something that other people can learn from you. Um, go out there and share your knowledge. Put together a proposal and submit it to the AIA and be there presenting, not just be there to absorb it and to consume it, but be there to share what you know. You know a lot and share your knowledge because the more you share, the more we're all going to benefit from it. And if you show up, you're going to be heard. And if you want change, if you, if, if you want change in the profession and you want change in the AIA, we need to become an influential force. We're becoming an influential force. We're beginning to get noticed. And, and I'll be there doing what I can to continue spreading the word, spreading the mission of entrepreneur architect and advocating for the small firm architect. But I can't do it alone. I need your help. I need you to be there and do what you do. Uh, I want you to follow examples presented by people like Rosa Shang of The Missing 32%, of Bob Borson of Life of an Architect, Jess Stafford of Big Time Small Firm, Enix Sears of Business of Architecture, and the guys at Arca Speak Podcast. Use them as an example. Share what you know. Create a platform to connect and support your fellow architects. Do whatever you are inspired to do and go do it. And I'm going to see you in Atlanta in 2015. I'll be there. And I hope you are too. And I thank you very much for listening to the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast and all the support that you've shown toward our mission. Please spread the word. Share a link to this episode. Uh, tell, uh, leave a review at iTunes. You can go to entrearchitect.com slash iTunes and you can leave a review there. Um, that helps other architects find the podcast. Tell, tell the friend, turn around and tell the friend that's sitting to you right there in the next workstation, working on CAD over there. See him over there? The guy over there or the lady working in the, in the, on the CAD station next to you? Go tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, entrepreneur architect, entrearchitect.com. You got to check it out. Do whatever you can to help this thing grow and the entire profession is going to be better for it. My name is Mark R. LePage and I am the founder of Entrepreneur Architect. And I thank you very much for listening. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this. I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Mm-hmm. 
calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. And so for me, the the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.